Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Doctor, doctor. I'm screaming All right, it is a Wednesday morning. We all know what that means. It's time to talk to our favorite family physician, Dr. Stan Anderson. He's on our WHBC Newsline this morning. Good morning, Dr. Stan. Hey, Pam. Great to talk to you. All right, so by your selection of topics, you want to get me fired, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I thought it would be fun for the month of September to, to have a plan of some of the interesting things, and I thought today what we would talk about would be most misguided medical treatments of all time. And these are just the most recent ones uh, in American history, and I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about those. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, let's start out. Early radiation therapy. What is that? Yeah, so we started using radiation. So we would just hit people with any kind of radiation. We used all sorts of things. And that started really over 100 years ago. Um, Really started using radium with x-rays around 1912, uh, 1911, around there. And it wasn't until the 20s that they learned that they need to be fractioned rather than just just spew this full blast of radiation to people. And what they found was they were doing more harm than good. And it wasn't until the 70s and 80s when we learned how to give a beam. So in other words, this is a very narrow type of thing. And so radiation was something that has been used. We gave so many people cancer. We damaged people's lives. Uh, because we thought, oh, radiation, that kills the bad guys, but it killed the good guys. So early radiation therapy was so disgusting. It caused so many problems. It was widespread. It was everywhere. Now radiation is in a very narrow beam, and it is much, much healthier and much, much safer. And it's a proven treatment for cancer treatment. Thank goodness we learn things, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called evidence-based medicine, where we end up putting a lot of people in a trial and see what is the best outcomes. Yeah, that's, that's the bottom line. All right, number two, bloodletting. I mean, we hear that word all the time, but I don't think people even really think about it as being some kind of a medical treatment at one point. Yeah, so... In the 13th century, almost a thousand years ago, they started using this, um, and this was the medieval barbers. One of the reasons why you see the red and white uh, pole outside of barbers is because they would bloodlet if you wanted them to. And so bloodletting is basically you 
try to get some of the blood out of the person. It was based on the idea that there's some people are more sanguine. And so it was based on the different um, tumors that go around in people's system. And it did help people who have a rare condition where they have an iron overload. But the problem is, is the more that you take blood out of someone's body, the weaker they get. And so one of the things that we know is, is that George Washington, the first president of our country, died from four bouts of bloodletting for strep throat. They were trying to treat strep throat by, by basically bloodletting, by cutting his veins and letting him basically bleed, and he bled to death from a treatment that has no help in almost every disease that it was ever used for. Again, I'm so glad that uh, <laughs> we've moved on. This is scary stuff. Okay, so now we're talking inducing fevers by intentionally giving malaria. Yeah, so this is uh, an ancient practice where people that had epilepsy who ended up getting malaria ended up having their epilepsy not being quite as bad. So they started using people with epilepsy, they started giving them different diseases that would give them fevers. And what they found was was that there was one person that ended up having dementia, which was because of his syphilis, that when he had malaria, his symptoms were not as bad. So working with insane patients in an insane asylum, they found that general paralysis, occasionally they got better following a fever. So, in fact, Dr. Warner Jureg won the 1927 Nobel Prize for this discovery, that people with tertiary syphilis who ended up having such severe syphilis that it affected their brain, that when they got a high fever of 103, 104, that sometimes their dementia, sometimes their symptoms would get better. And so they started to use pyrotherapy, where you give people something that gives them a fever, was treatment. It was the standard treatment for neurosyphilis until the mid-50s, 1950s, when it was finally supplanted by the administration of a drug that we now know of called penicillin. Wow. And so wow. what's kind of interesting is yeah. before penicillin, the kinds of things that we did was ridiculous, but we widely used high fevers, you giving people any kind of a bug that would make them develop a high fever, and malaria was the most common one was widely replaced in the 1960s with the use of neuroleptic drugs, with the use of penicillin. And so it's just kind of interesting. We have much better treatments now than our grandparents. All right. And the final one. <laughs> I said this to the listeners earlier. I said, I'm just going to read this sentence and I'll let Dr. Stan explain. Tobacco smoke. Enemas. <laughs> yeah, so toward the end of the 18th century, tobacco was used from Europe, um, from the New World, to Europe from the New World. And Native American practices involved blowing smoke 
into a patient's rectum, and it became very popular in England and the rest of Europe. The rationale being was that smoke not only warmed up the body, but it also stimulated respiration because people would cough. Unfortunately, early smoke enemas were performed with little more than a rubber tube, and the procedure became very popular for a lot of illnesses, headaches, hernia, abdominal cramps, infections. The problem is, is one, it clearly didn't work, um, and practitioners, the doctors that were doing this, risked aspirating or swallowing infected fecal material for the treatment of a more serious conditions when they ended up trying to treat cholera. So later on, they started using bellows and rectal tubes to protect the doctor from this exposure. And then 110 years ago, 111 years ago, 1911, the English scientist Ben Brody discovered that nicotine was cardiotoxic and thus tobacco smoke enemas became a thing of the past. So mm-hmm. if somebody recommends that to you, they are. don't let them do that. Because they're just blowing smoke, right? (laughs) That is exactly right. And that's where that term came from. (laughs) I love it, Dr. Stan. Well, you have a great week, and we will talk again next Wednesday. Thanks, Pam. I look forward to it.